It's a film with three brains. 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 Hello and welcome to the film with three brains. I am Sean in Chicago. And this is Cohen in Maplewood, New Jersey. And it's Sam in San Francisco. Hmm. Very plain. Plain. <laughs> Very plain. Plain. <laughs> I'm bored. <laughs> well, we'll liven things up because <laughs> we're going to talk about a weird ass movie called Kronos. Um, 1993, I, I guess it's kind of 1992. I think it was wider release in 1993. Something yeah, it has that 1992 feel, though. <laughs> you noticed that, huh? You picked that mm-hmm. up on that. Okay. Uh, it was directed by Guillermo del Tormo. Um, Tor- Tor- Tormo? What the hell? Toro. <laughs> Mel- it's directed by Mel Torme. Um, and uh, it has Ron Perlman. Who is a double up for us? Um, I don't know if anyone else is in it that we recognize, but um, it is a horror drama film, and um, I don't think I want to get into the the synopsis just yet. But uh, I think the only one that had seen it before is Colin, right? Uh, I had seen it before, yes. And you didn't remember it? Didn't remember a damn thing about it. <laughs> it was like watching it for the first time. That's okay. kind of strange. Do you uh, have any initial thoughts? Uh, I don't know. I thought it was kind of boring. It's a little slow. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah, it's slow. It's not a lot going on. I remember, I, I don't remember it specifically, but I remember kind of liking it, I guess, but not being overly enthusiastic about that. Just being like, oh, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, this time around, though, it's kind of like, well, he got better. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, It was, there's some things to like about it, I suppose. And you can see potential there in him as a filmmaker. But overall, like just as a standalone piece of entertainment, I wasn't terribly entertained. Had a hard time staying awake. Mm -hmm. Sam. (laughs) Any thoughts? Well, you know, usually, you know, the first thing I like to do is, you know, when we're reviewing is say, what's this movie really about? And in this case, I think it's about bad grandparenting. Yeah. <laughs> it's. That's about. Yeah. Yeah. Because that little girl <laughs> is going to be <laughs> scarred for life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like. She's like, in danger the entire movie. Yeah. <laughs> and like needlessly so. Yeah. Right. That's what I'm saying. He's bad grandpa. Yeah. The original. 
That's what they called <laughs> OG. Was there any explanation for what happened to her, her parents? No, I don't remember any. I don't remember it being mentioned at all. Sort of ignored. Abuelo Malo. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, they didn't. They don't address it at all, do they? I don't remember any, anything about like how, how she, why she's there, or you know. Yeah. I mean, you know, you could clear they love each other, and she, she likes living in this antiquities place, and. Well, they don't live there. They live in another place, but she likes hanging out with him. She 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 likes a grandpa. I think, um, but yeah, um, go ahead. I think that one of the strengths of this movie is that they don't try to explain anything. They, yeah, they do very little to explain why anybody is anywhere. Like, why is this one guy living in the top of a factory? looking for this, who never leaves his room, who somehow has information. Like, none of that is, nothing's explained. Why is the little girl living with the grandpa? No idea. You know, why does she not get freaked out like anyone else in the world would when some of the situations they're in? No, yeah. nothing. It's, it's, it's so quirky movie. It's, or not maybe quirky, odd. Um, yeah, but I, I think that, you know, that's one of Coe's pet peeves is, is when they over-explain something or try to explain something that doesn't need explaining. And I think he does a pretty good job of not doing that. Yeah. yeah. Didn't it feel like he was about to? Because the old, you know, the guy that's searching for this, he said something like, there there are rules, you know. And mm-hmm. I mean, I, I we know that eventually that they, it's basically one kind of rule, which, which is you need blood. Yeah, more or less. But I, I, I felt like it was heading like, oh, he doesn't, he doesn't have all these manuscripts, and you know, he has the device, but he doesn't have, he doesn't know how to use it. Clearly, clearly, they're gonna, it's gonna be some kind of gremlins type rules that are gonna follow, and that didn't happen at all. Yeah, it almost could have had that, and probably should have to make it more interesting, because it did leave you in limbo the whole time as to like, yeah. well, what, you know, because as soon as you mentioned that, you, you're expecting a payoff, you know. You don't just yeah. throw that line in there, or like how he was. I thought he was going to mess up, and there would be some repercussion. Like there was only, you know, for a while there was only good things happening to well, not sort of good things, like you know, feeling young again and looking younger and that kind of stuff. But yeah, I don't understand what the uh, what the thinking was in in setting up the the plot. But I guess the well, the the beginning is is very important because it sets up the whole thing. Um, it starts in the year fifteen thirty six. There's an alchemist, and he's escaping the Inquisition. And he and he's it, it said I think he was a, a watchmaker as well, which kind of that's important because the device is kind of watch like as gears mm-hmm. and stuff. Anyway, so he's he is hell bent on creating a device that will prolong life. And it appears he does because then they show a guy that 400 years later was was found. Um, his heart had been pierced and he was in a rubble of a building and he had weird skin and uh, apparently it was the same guy. And then we move on to where the device, it's, the device gets kind of lost. They show 
um, some blood and a guy hanging there. They don't really say what that's about because those details were not released to the public. And then it moves on to the actual story, which is the grandpa, the granddaughter, and this and these uh, De La Guardia people who are trying to get this damn Kronos device. So that's that's. I mean, I'm explaining the beginning because I feel like if you, without the beginning, that it would be it would be crazy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. you'd never know what was going on because the again they don't explain the drawings they don't explain how the device works at all it's just that you know he it's trial and error it, it kind of grabs him and latches onto his hand and, and takes blood out of him somehow I, I couldn't tell if it's, t- it's taking blood or putting blood into him it's it, it's a little vague yeah hard to say not sure so yeah, it is. It's slow. I mean, I I I don't know what I was expecting, but I was, I thought it would be, a little bit more, a little darker maybe. I mean, it's dark, but it's not like, you know. Yeah, everything felt a little tepid. You know, like yeah, there there's some things going on that are kind of interesting here and there. I thought um, Ron Perlman was great. Yeah, I'm far more interested in Ron Perlman than anything else going on in the movie. <laughs> Which is not a good thing from like a filmmaking st- standpoint. Like this sort of supporting character who has a very small role is sort of stealing all the scenes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't, know, I don't know. It's just like it wasn't scary. And like to say it's something, it, you know, to say like thematically it's it's like thematically rich about, you know, the importance of protecting your family and shit. Well, horse shit. He put his granddaughter in danger at every three seconds in this movie. I can't really say that. I mean, Sam, you're right. Like when you really think about this, like what is this about? Like plot wise and, and character wise and thematically, like it's not, it's just, it's all sort of, it's like an idea in search of a film, you know? Like he had, he had something, there was something there and it just didn't ultimately come together for me, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's it, Rotten Tomatoes. The critics give it like ninety percent. Like that's being awfully generous. <laughs> <laughs> the you know the viewer score is much lower, of course. But what's the viewer yeah. score? I think it's like what is it, sixty nine percent? Yeah, ninety for critics, sixty nine for audience. Sounds about right. I watched it on Max, HBO, whatever it is, and mm-hmm. it shows the Criterion logo right in the beginning. So I'm like, yeah. Oh, so it's, yeah, it, and it, it's it's well received by critics, and I can see I can kind of see why. It kind of reminds me what was the what was the movie we did in Hong Kong with the two stories, um, Chungking Express. Yeah, Chungking Express. Yeah. Like, you know, like people have a lot of fond memories. It's it's kind of a seminal movie for some people, but when we watched it, we were like, okay, you know, it's it's good, but yeah, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of that, like. It's it is a good movie. I I didn't I was it, it you you know we've said it's slow, um. Just like like moment to moment, it's slow, or like the 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 camera pans very slowly. But I didn't. I was interested the whole time, and I didn't see where I didn't really know where it was going, which helps. Yeah, I have to agree so. with you. I was I was interested, it, it and I you knowing that this was a low budget. Well, at the time, actually, one of the, I think, one of the most expensive yeah went way over made in Mexico two billion dollars it cost I think yeah right. 
Um, but knowing that it was a first movie low budget, like I think that going into that, your expectations different. Like, yeah. So I, I thought that for for being a low budget movie, it actually created some pretty rich scenery. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and a, I like the way it looked. And he his use of the body horror, like just simple stuff, to create, you know, to create kind of that spookiness or, or mm-hmm. gross you out a little bit was was good. But it wasn't it wasn't the usual gags that you are thinking of when you see a low budget horror movie. Mm-hmm. You know, so I felt like he 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 did it well um, in that regard. Yeah, I liked the best thing about it for me was the atmosphere of it all. Yeah, exactly. Like the, the, just the sort of the the sort of there's like a a lyricism to the visuals in this that I liked, but you know that only <laughs> like for ninety minutes. After a while, it's like, all right, well, I would love if something else happened. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. The body horror stuff was pretty good. That wasn't. I, I agree. That wasn't. It's particularly in the end when he sticks his hand under his skin and his belly, and for some reason that really <laughs> oh, sort of yeah, like. The- yeah, that, that was like, uh, what is he doing? Ew. <laughs> Guillermo del Toro, a, a, he, I, I'm interested in, his like filmography is interesting to me because there's never, there's not any one thing in there that makes me go, holy shit, was that awesome? You know, I know people love Pan's Labyrinth. I didn't really care for it much. And I didn't see The Shape of Water. But everything else is like, Ooh. well, I'm like, oh, that was pretty good, I guess. That was pretty good. Like, his movies are all for me, like, oh, that was pretty good. There's, like, one thing about it I enjoy, you know, like, The Devil's Backbone was pretty good. It was creepy. Had a nice creepy factor. Um, Blade Two had some sort of interesting hyperkinetic action scenes I enjoyed. It's a little too much. Hellboy had Ron Perlman being Ron Perlman. I love him. Right. But otherwise, it felt yeah. a little flat. Pacific Rim was like a like a great idea and looked incredible, but ultimately also fell a little, you know, hollow. Wait, who did Pacific Rim? He did. He did. He did? Okay. Yeah, I liked Pacific that. Rim. I liked it. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed it. I just I had hoped it would be. Uh, can we back more. up for a second? I'm yes. A, no. a little surprised that you have not seen The Shape of Water just because it was such a big deal Oscar wise. Well, that's mm-hmm. why you didn't see it. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> well, no. What if one says? What it was is everyone loved Pan's Labyrinth, and I really didn't care for it at all. Oh, so you were... So I was just like, oh, great, it's another one of these. You were convinced. I don't know. I mean, I'd watch it. I wasn't like... I didn't intentionally avoid it. I just didn't seek it out. And it never... I don't know. It just... It just never happened. You know, I don't like, think you would love it, but I, I'm... Like I said, I'm just, I'm just sort of... I'm just like, finding it interesting that you would... It, 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 part, of it, part of it, I found it... An, I don't know why I would find it annoying, but to me, it looked like... That the main character looked just like the main, the one character in the Hellboy movies, um, Abe Sapien. I was <laughs> yeah. like, so is this Hellboy 3? What is this? <laughs> I thought about that too. Uh, I, so, I thought it yeah. was overrated. Yeah. I thought The Shape of Water was very predictable. And I was like... See, I think I think that's the thing about his movies that bothers me is he's, he never like... I've never... Uh, I never like, whoa... I didn't see that coming, you know, or, right. or it doesn't even have to be that overt or whatever. Like, it's just something I'm always like, oh, okay, that's pretty good. You know, there's no, there's never any moments where I'm like, holy shit, you know? 
I mean, yeah. I, I, honestly, I would say mimic comes closest <laughs> to a certain degree when you realize what's kind of what's going on. You, that was like a pretty interesting twist or a reveal. You're like, oh shit, that's crazy. Did you see Nightmare Alley? I'm no, ask that. I didn't see that one. I didn't see that either. I was curious. I, I thought it looked interesting. I liked it. Yeah, it, it's yeah. I think it's it's not perfect, but I think as a story, I kind of like it. I like it more than um, the Shape of Water. But I also felt like it was made in a way where he was, he's like, I'm going to go for it and try to get more Oscar nominations. Like, I, yeah. like there's something about it that you just felt like you could sense the the effort being put to to get nominations, um, which is never a great thing. Um, but at the same time, it's a fun, like, it's an interesting story. Um, and it's it's a movie, like... I saw Shape of Water. I don't think I've thought about it again since we in until we just talked about it. Whereas Nightmare Alley, every now and then there's some scenes from it that pop into my mind, and that I, that I still, you know, years, couple, well, only a couple of years later, but I still like. Okay, that scene, I like it, you know, or that thought, that premise. Yeah. So, it's same with you know, the like, the Hobbit movies. Mm-hmm. you know completely forgettable you know yeah. Pan's Labyrinth I like I like the the way it builds up and that's how I remember it you know the 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 you know when the girl first is like gets in there and is learning the rules and and all that like I like the way that builds up after that even though I know I like the movie I can't actually remember what happens hmm. yeah I mean I know the end the the a twist or not really a twist because you see it coming but anyway did anyone see Pinocchio no no wasn't there like eight Pinocchio movies all came out within like five years <laughs> right no, wasn't there like track. wasn't was there like didn't what's a stupid face <laughs> do one I can't remember his name like stupid face. Yeah, Roberto Benini. Okay. Yes. He did one, right? And then he did. Yeah. Okay. He played. He. What did? What did he? I, uh, he played like Pinocchio or something. Or did he play Geppetto? No, it was Pinocchio. No, was it? No, but no, no, wasn't he? Was another one? In, no, you're right. He's he's Geppetto in the 2019 Pinocchio. And then they made another one. Robert Zemeckis directed one. Okay, he played Pinocchio. Roberto Benigni played yeah, Pinocchio live action in the 2002 novel. Pinocchio. Yeah. Right, right. So he was in two of them, right? Yeah. And you're right. There's... I feel like I'm, I'm having some sort of, uh, what, what's the thing where you misremember? Mandela effect. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, goddamn, dude was in two of them. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. There's, there's a, t- yeah, there's the Roberto Benigni's 2002, and then there's a 2012 Italian animated adaption, adaptation, and then there's an, the 2022. The Robert Z- Zemeckis, Zemeckis one, right? Right. 
And there's Lionel Del Toro. Toro. And there's another one. Good no, you're right. There's a, there's, a, there's a lot. I'm tired of it. I'm going to pick him again. <laughs> We're going to watch Johnny Stacchino. I can't pick any of his Pinocchio movies, but I can at least get Johnny Stacchino in there. What is that? It's a mistaken identity movie where he's mistaken as a as a mafia boss or whatever when he goes on vacation. Of course, because he... It's, yeah. it's stupid. It's funny. It's got some funny moments. Okay, well, as long as we're going through the entire catalog, did anyone see The Cabinet of Curiosities? No, I thought that looked interesting, though. Netflix. I, I watched but, the first one. Sure. There was... Um, I, I he, thought the first he didn't one direct good. any of those though. Did no, you? no, he introduces all of them. He's a narrator, and he sort of handpicks the the people that do it. Yeah, yeah. So it's more of his like a you know mm-hmm. a passion project. It's not mm-hmm. really him, but um, yeah, I enjoyed I enjoyed most of them. I think we saw at least four of them, and there was like two or three I really liked. And one of are them. they kind yeah, of Twilight Zoney? They're very much Twilight Zone. They're like with a little like more gore, like Tales from the Dark Side. Yeah, Tales from the Dark Side, stuff like that. Um, I can't remember the first one, but I remember liking it. Was that the one with the storage space? Or was that yes. Yeah, it's just okay. storage space. Yeah, that's a good one. Anyway, it's like his sensibility, you know, <clears throat> and then he just, I don't know how i don't know how he picked people, but yeah, Netflix let him go crazy with uh, eight episodes, apparently. Yeah, so I have a few more I haven't watched. Anyway. I guess I bring that up to say that, like, we like we like his style. We've talked about style and the atmosphere and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And we like his, you know, puppetry. I guess you could say, or um, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of miniature stuff. I mean, in this movie, there's like shots of inside mm-hmm. the Kronos device. Yeah, um, I like the device. Yeah, the device is cool. Yeah, what it made me wonder, like, is there like a couple people out there who just have the career of making gadgets for movies. Sure. Like, that's a pretty cool career. <laughs> yeah. And this one I read that someone stole the device. So he had <laughs> yeah, to have all a, of them. Yeah, yeah. You can't find them. That's so cruel. <laughs> like, it's a dick move, man. <laughs> yeah. That sucks. So you had to have ones made, but. I don't know. That was a pretty cool device. Yeah. So obviously, you guys listening can't see it. So it's like a golden beetle shape. It's like a, a golden egg, but it has little <clears throat> legs that come out and has a dial on it and kind of a jewel set into it, um, and like carvings into. It. It's just a cool looking thing. But yeah, I mean, why would someone steal? The prop. Maybe it maybe it really was like, you know, gold plated or something, so they just thought they'd get something for it. It looks heavy. <laughs> I don't know. It does. <laughs> it looks heavy. <laughs> well, maybe they were like, Oh, check this out. This is heavy. It looks gold. Let's grab it. I don't know. I that's what that's what I would like to know. Is like was it someone that just stole it for they probably thought it was, it was real something? gold. Or was it someone oh, that actually knew I someone who's like a fan? Hey, this is know? a cool, yeah. I mean, because yeah. I, I thought it said it got s- stolen at the end of filming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was someone on the set who was like, "This is cool. I'm keeping it." Yeah, prop, like prop mess. Yeah, any of us would have been capable of that as teenagers. 
It would have been like, this is cool. No one's like, probably wants it. Movies, it's over. I'll take it. I mean, they just, they just found a, a X-Wing in this guy. I mean, he was actually one of the guys who made the models, but you know, the guy died there cleaning out his storage area, his attic or whatever. There was a box with a, with an X-Wing in it. And did you see this? It's sold for $4 million or $3 million at the what? auction. Oh, was it an yeah. original model? Oh, right? Original model X-Wing. Yeah. From the movie by the guy who made a bunch of models. Who got that money? That three, four million. This estate, right? His family has, yeah, the yeah. estate. Good. Anyway, so I don't know. I mean, I don't think that thing's going to be worth millions, but I bet you there's people out there who like think that Del Toro's the best director ever who would pay, you know, thousands of dollars for that thing. I bet Guillermo himself would like it back. Yeah. Number one. Sure. His first film. This first film? I would. Right. Yeah. I think we're, we're coming onto a plot here. We can, you know, yeah. person tries to extort rich filmmaker. He steals things, just hoping someday one of them will pay off. Like the book for the recently deceased. How cool would that book be? <laughs> I'd love to have that handbook. We're all a bunch of Othos out there just stealing props. Yep. <laughs> <or books. laughs> <laughs> uh, hell. Uh, anyway, getting back to Kronos, the, I mean, the, the device is interesting as a prop, but also within it is some kind of insect. <laughs> yeah. Not sure if it's alive or dead, maybe both, but. Seems it's, alive. It's, yeah, it's got, it's kind of gooey. I don't know. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's alive. You know, it's moving around, I guess. Yeah. And it's, again, not explained, but it's part of the, you know, whatever makes this, the blood sort of change its properties or something. I don't know. That's cool too, because, you know, if it was just like a clock, <laughs> what? Are you guys laughing at me because I'm just doing my usual ramble on thing or because something <laughs> For some reason it reminded me of like, like a Chris Farley, like, yeah, cool too. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. I remember when yeah. I remember when there was a bug inside the device. That's awesome. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> I think it would be dumb if it didn't have some kind of biological component because if it's just like a, a like a time device, mechanical time device, it's it would seem it would kind of be. I don't know, more far-fetched or just, or it would, re- it would require more of a setup, you know, like, yeah. and I don't, I was going to save this for later, but I might as well jump right at it. Would you say this is technically a vampire movie? Yeah. Sam, you agree? Yeah. Yeah. But it never, it's very I subtle. Mean, I, I, okay. It's a vampire movie and it's subtle. But I gotta say, I love the the conflict of him looking at the blood in the bathroom, yeah. and mm-hmm. whether or not to 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 lick it or drink it or not. I I thought that whole scene was great because there's no there's no other movie that has it any anywhere close to that. You know, you could see he's mm-hmm. like, this is gross. I shouldn't do this, but he has this thirst for blood. 
And so I thought that was that was really effective. One yeah. of those one of those moments you're like, okay, here's a payoff. Yeah, and then it's it's mirrored at the end when his granddaughter has some blood on her hand, and he's still in the same condition, and he's like staring at it. He's kind of fighting that urge. Same thing. Have you guys have you guys ever seen an old George Romero movie called Martin? No. This kind of reminded me of that because Martin's about a a guy, a young man who claims to be like an eighty year old vampire. And so the whole movie, you're, you're sort of wondering, is he actually a vampire? Or is he just fucking nuts? And he like drinks people's blood and shit. I don't know. It just, it reminded me of it. The Cronus reminded me of it a bit. I, I got to imagine that Guillermo del Toro is aware of Martin when he made this. Ooh, 1977. Good picket. Yeah. Oh, but it's after the crazies. Okay. So it's not, he believes he's a vampire. It's interesting, you know, it's low budget, it's kind of like Kronos, it's like some of it sort of interesting atmosphere, and ultimately I don't think it's that great. Uh, I mean, it's it's pretty good, I mean, I guess, I don't know. Well, yeah, I think I think there should be almost a separate category of vampire movies that don't try to be vampire movies. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, you have some of the usual stuff, like uh, there's one scene where he's he uh, reacts to sunlight. Mm-hmm. And he kind of almost sleeps in a coffin. He sleeps in like a big box. Yeah. One time, you know, it's like, it's, it's leading you down that path, but it's not, it's not really important because in a normal like horror movie, you would, you would expect them to, he would have some victims or he would like go on the prowl or some, you know, or do some vampire stuff. He doesn't do any of that. It's not like that. It felt like it could have, you know, I was a little disappointed because it felt like it could have been a more interesting sort of. A movie exploring the, the um, sort of the universal myth mythos of of like vampires. You know, mm-hmm. like if this if this took place in a world where, you know, um, Bram Stoker never wrote Dracula or something, and like the like vampires aren't really a thing, right? And right. in in it's sort of the exploration of the beginnings of that, of you know, it's sort of the 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 rules involved or, or like the tropes. Yeah, you know, for the first time, I don't know. I feel like the, it could have been it could have been interesting in that regard, and it just sort of like it was there to a certain extent, like you said, with the sunlight and the not quite sleeping in a coffin, but similar. You know, I don't know. I feel like there's there's potential in it that was not quite realized. Yeah, or like at the end where he he seems like maybe he kind of wants to drink the blood of his granddaughter, and then he smashes the device. Mm-hmm. Like why why hold that back till the end? That could have been like an ongoing sort of motif that could have been really right. interesting to help build tension and well, that's and, something that's interesting about the rules and stuff. Like you know, this so this guy and he's got the all this uh, this uh, De La Guardia guy who is seeking the device like crazy, and he's he's dying and he wants to prolong his life, but he you know he never met, talks about it in that way, and there's no like vampire lineage. It's just a it's just a device that it creates the condition. It's not like uh, transmitted like biologically it's i mean I, I, aside from the insect in there but <laughs> this must sound bizarre to someone who has not seen this movie but um but you know what i mean that's like the the device itself is the vampire or you know is the 
the impetus for this whole condition. And well, yeah, the way I kind of imagined you know, it is like a mosquito bite. Like we have a reaction to the mosquito saliva that, mm. and so this I was imagining like it drinks your blood, but whatever it spits back into your bloodstream changes you. Mm-hmm. Isn't mm-hmm. that's kind of how I imagined it worked? Yeah. Um, and then of course you, you know, each needs the other. Yeah. And then there's like one scene where he, when I think when he puts it on his chest and there's uh, marks on his chest and then they heal kind of quickly. Yeah. But that's that's about it. That's you know, that's... awesome. <laughs> uh, anyway, I yeah, I'm just I guess I'm giving credit for being sort of in that genre without actually like having to go through all that stuff or or get pigeonholed in that way. So I watched this and I thought, boy, if he remade this movie now, it would probably be so much better. Like I yeah. feel like he's, you know, he's clearly developed as a storyteller. He now can do a big budget. He could, you know, I think that there's enough here that says to me like, okay, there's a lot of creativity and storytelling going on, but it's not, it's it's going a lot of different directions without giving you one, like, solid road to follow you you keep going off on these tangents or or think you're it's going to go off in tangents as, as a as a watcher you're used to expecting these things like like you said like the you know is is it a movie about becoming a vampire maybe a little um so yeah i feel like if he did it now it'd be a much more cohesive story yeah also it, it, other than ron perlman i don't feel like anyone in this movie is particularly good Oh, the granddaughter is good, but she doesn't have any lines. She's fine. <laughs> She's fine. But the main character, I don't know. I just found him a little flat. Like, like you're saying, if they remade it and had like a Dreamcast, I would picture like Daniel Day Lewis or Joaquin Phoenix yeah. or someone, someone who does like nonverbal intensity well. Right. We don't have a we don't have a plot for the main character. Like, like he he get he finds this device. But we don't. That's not enough, you know. It's it's you, you yeah. Don't, you know, you don't feel that he he's felt like he's made a horrible mistake, or that he's transformed. Like, you know, in some ways, you can say it's kind of like the fly, mm-hmm. you know. But you you kind of buy more into the weirdness that's going on and how he's changing than in Kronos. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I like I like that it's not specific about any of these things, but yeah, it, it kind of leaves you to to figure things out on your own. I and I don't think this. There's nothing like wrong with the storytelling. I don't think this is a movie we can really nitpick, and which which is probably why it's pretty well received on the whole. But like when Ron Perlman was like you know, repeatedly punching him at the, on the edge of that cliff. I'm like, and he's like, get, and then he's like, get up. I'm like, what are you trying to do? Because <laughs> you know, you can't help but know it's Ron Perlman. You're like, okay, he's, he's going to be dead soon if he keeps punching him like this. Yeah. But he, but um, his character, Ron Perlman's character is also confused because he doesn't know what the device is, why 
his uncle wants it so bad, you know, he's just stuck being errand boy and he hates being, you know, he's, he's just waiting for inheritance. So he doesn't, you know, he doesn't know his, his place in this whole thing. And it just kind of makes him mad. So I guess he just takes it out by punching him, but it was a weird thing for his character to do. Like if he's supposed to like track him down and find things out, you know, what was he doing? And why would was he was he trying to kill? I mean, he was he obviously didn't get what he wanted, and he pushed the car off the cliff and then lied about it. But I, I wasn't really sure if that you know that that was his confusion or my confusion. I guess it doesn't matter, right? Nah. All right, fine. Um, but I thought also Ron Perlman was was you know like he so you somebody mentioned it was over budget. So he had to take a pay cut. And of course that, you know, this started like them working together. Yeah. Hellboy and whatnot. Um, But like just the fact that he tried to, he he was going to have a character that could speak fluent Spanish and and Ron Perlman wasn't up to it. Um, So he kind of played an American that was living in Mexico kind of thing. And yeah, I think it actually works better. Yeah. I think, I think it, it added a dimension to his character and his, his, you know, bad Spanish. Uh, yeah. It all just kind of fit into creating who he was. And when I saw him, his name in the credits, I was like, oh, I totally forgot he was in this. I thought, well, geez, how many languages does this dude speak? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> his French is perfect in the City of Lost Children. I mean, I know he learned it phonetically and practiced it a lot, but I can't speak to his Spanish, but it's still pretty impressive. Yeah. <laughs> but I was, I think it said, who who else was supposed to, well, there was like, um, well, somebody asked him about a sequel, which, oh no, not a sequel, but I mean, uh, sorry, a an American, um, the somebody wanted the rights for it just so they could redo it. And I think he said something like, well, do you want to see, do you really want to see Jack Lemmon Licking blood off the bathroom floor. I mean, you know, yeah. assuming that there'd be some big actor that played the grandpa. Right. I do. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Today, like if, if it was now, I think with a bigger budget, but of course, Jack Lemon would have to be alive then, but, um, that would help. Anyway. There's, there's just some interesting like it's not, some of it's not very specific about like how this was how this was what where it was set and why why it was the way it was but i agree i thought that you know this sort of broken spanish was interesting and the um i thought the uh not not the not the corner but who's the guy that the the oh, i like the un, yeah the undertaker i like too yeah so he was good he was amusing and did you think that when you that scene happened and he comes back and nobody's there, did you think that someone picked him up or he walked? I mean, I didn't think. No, it wasn't the, my mm-hmm. first thought. Wasn't oh, he just walked off? Yeah, <laughs> but I, you know, Ron Perlman's character doesn't know either. He thinks he's he doesn't react there either. He doesn't like look at the box and the burning and go oh, oh no. I guess because he doesn't really care that much. He doesn't really. He's been asked to do this for his uncle, but he doesn't really know why he's doing it. And he's, I don't think he knows 
until the end, really, what's going on. Yep. Hmm. 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 Okay. Have we covered all the big points? Yep. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there is a sequel called What? What, what Are... We Are What We Are. That's a sequel? It says it's a standalone sequel. And the only thing... <laughs> The only one that's still in it from the first one is is the coroner, Tito the coroner. This Daniel Cacho guy. Um, but I think it's pretty, like it's it's nothing, almost nothing to do with this. I mean, like a spiritual sequel? Let's see. It says, it's about a family who, after the death of the father, they try to continue on with a disturbing ritualistic tradition. But I think it's supposed to be more about cannibalism. Uh-huh. I see. I don't know. Something. Yeah, looks like body horror and stuff. I don't know. It is oh, obviously it wasn't. Uh, sorry, it wasn't him. It was some Jorge Miguel Grau guy wrote it. Wow, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. It doesn't say anything about, like, did he get permission? I don't know. Who knows? I guess it doesn't matter. But it exists. Sequel's been done. Maybe it was just a marketing ploy. I made a sequel to Kronos. <laughs> and when Charles like, oh, really? <laughs> did Looked you? For, like, sequel to what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what are we doing next? Yeah, what are we doing next? Well... It's a fun movie mm. from, uh, uh, I don't remember what year it is, somewhere around <laughs> 19... <laughs> <laughs> you said 80 something? 86, right? No, it's later. Um, 88. It could be. That is killing me. <laughs> okay. I had a movie in my. I know I did. I already have it. I yeah. But I, yeah, but I, I thought I had it loaded up, but I, I don't. Um, yeah, it is 88. Correct, ah. sir. I knew it. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Fun. All right. Fun movie. And, um, uh, it has, um, Maybe you'll get it from this. It has Cypher from The Matrix in it. Oh. Cypher. Yeah. Uh, oh. Is it... Um, is that the Pantaleone man? Yeah, it is. <laughs> I can't remember. What? That's Joe? Oh, yes. Okay, so 88... He's relatively young, probably still bald. Is he the lead? No. What year did uh? What year did um? He plays a lot of mafia. Memento come out. That was later, wasn't it? Yeah, that's that later. That's that's the ninety. Yeah, late ninety. I'm trying to think of shit he's in when he was younger, in the eighties. I can't think of anything. 
That's weird. Yeah. Yeah, my mind doesn't go far. That, go back with him. I don't know. Oh, he's in the Goonies. Is it the Goonies? <gasps> no, the Goonies? no, that was the Goonies is before 88. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Yeah, he is. Goonies like 84 Goonies. or something. We got to the Goonies. Goonies, Goonies. great. Gonna need something else. All right. Um, let's see. One guy's been in a million movies. The other guy's dead. Um, <laughs> well, cross him off. Let's see. It also has Philip Baker Hall in it, but there's no reason you'd remember that. Baker Hall. Oh. Yeah. Um, it's got the litmus test in it. There you go. That'll give it away. What? It's got the litmus test, as in the official one? <laughs> not, not a euphemism? Like, it's got a litmus That's test. That's no sex. Okay. Wait, you... I mean... No, that was... Bound was later too. That was in the nineties, also. I don't know. Oh wow! Okay, it's it's got in a, a okay. Joe Pantaloni, uh, Pantaliano. I mean, is a um. I think he's a bounty hunter. Bounty hunter. Yeah, it's a movie about with bounty hunters, like Midnight at Midnight Run. Yeah, is that what, what it is? Yeah. He's oh, in that. I should have known. Yeah, he, I knew the other guy. I can't even remember. And Philip Big yeah. Hall is. I haven't like seen it in so long. It's just I Charles Grodin and Robert De Niro in my. Head. I, I I was like I can't say Charles Grodin because it's like <laughs> yeah. the first movie I'll come to. I can't say Robert De Niro nineteen eighty eight because you'll. So I was trying to be. You just picked one on list. Oh, it's a great movie. Yeah, you uh, described it as fun, which is which is clever because. You can't pinpoint that as action or comedy or something. You call it an action comedy. I mean, we we can now, but what he was trying to tell us, <laughs> give us hints, so you oh. could say that. Like, if he had gotcha. said action comedy, I think we would have got it right away. Um, it's on Netflix. So when <laughs> I was looking on Netflix, it's recently, interesting that I you that him is your clue. Does he have a big role in it? I don't even remember him at all. No, he, he's just a, such a memorable character to me. Yeah, you know, it was the sort of thing when I when I saw it's the Bill Bonsai or something. Oh. Yeah. Well, yeah, but he has that like yelling on the phone all the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly it. So it just, I should have got that. That should have been enough. Oh, well. Good pick. Fun movie. Yeah. But yeah, I'm the watching that again. is when they're, when they don't have any money in there, in the, they're acting like they're FBI agents to, uh, oh, for, for, for bills at the bar. That's, and they, that's, they take, that's too specific for me to remember. But that rings a bell. Maybe it's not litmus. Maybe I'll be wrong. Whatever. <laughs> we'll discuss. We'll discuss yeah. this. Where will we potentially watch this movie? Mind, uh, Midnight it's Run. Oh, you did? Free. It's on Netflix. Netflix. That just, you say it's free as if everyone in the universe subscribes to Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's free. It's on Netflix. Nothing. <laughs> We we think everything's free, but actually nothing is free. So yeah. pay for all on it. Well, no, I mean, well, we're movie reviewers, so we get free Netflix accounts. But how uh, <laughs> oh, we do? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, for just mentioning it, we're. I mean, the 
money is rolling in. Just say, yeah, two more that, times. That's like, <laughs> yep, there you go. <laughs> two more times we buy a beach house. Yeah. Right on. All right. Cool. Good pick. Cross that off my list. I think Kronos was actually on my list too. That's interesting. Really? Uh-huh. He's got quite a list. Because I couldn't remember it's not liking it. List. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it takes. Wait, there's... <laughs> yeah. Questions. <laughs> we Okay, well, just to wrap wrap up that... The end of that movie, like he... He doesn't actually, we don't see him die in Kronos, right? Just to like make sure I'm like, well, oh, bad. do we? Well, he's sitting, he's, he's, we don't know. bad and his dad bad and plot. Sort of. Yeah. And there's, they're around him sort of just sitting with him. Yeah. I, that's true. And then it's and the device smashed. Right. But the device yeah. is smashed. So, so he can't live much longer. Right. But it's it's unclear what condition he's in as far as like you know did he he's got the white kind of white skin I don't know it doesn't it doesn't matter that much but I I think I mean because I'm always focused on endings I was wondering if the ending itself was good bad or indifferent like you know like the the so the the big finale was you know kind of expected I guess um but I thought I I I thought maybe. He would have got his granddaughter away and like something would have happened and who knows what. But like it was a choice. I guess what I'm saying is it's, it was a choice for him to be surrounded by his loved ones, presumably dying at the end of the movie. Seemed that way, yeah. And I wonder if that's part of what made it sort of like a little le- less than entertaining or a little... It was, it, it was, again, it's a drama and it's sort of like... Kind of almost a sweet ending, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Yes, I mean, I he just... chose he chose death over becoming a monster. Right, right. So it was a triumph. He he triumphed over this mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, sure. That's true. That's it. You're right. You summed up my thoughts perfectly. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. What the hell? What's going on? <laughs> uh, thanks for listening. Oh, thanks for listening. <laughs> yeah. I think this is our, our best review yet, you sad sack. <laughs> See you in the next life, Jack. Oh. Woohoo! New tagline yet. Nice. This has made this our best review ever. For sure. Until the next one. Until... Next time, people. That's the from Chicken butt? <laughs>